So last night, mm-hmm. we went to see mm-hmm. Charlie's Angels. <laughs> <laughs> How was it? It was so fucking good. Yeah. It was, so it was Danny's birthday yesterday. Mm-hmm. In the time-space continuum. <laughs> Danny's birthday. <laughs> it's Danny's birthday. So, yeah, she has been talking about this movie because she loves Kristen Stewart. Don't blame her. I I know you don't like her. I like her. Look, I get it, though. I get it. I After <laughs> after this movie, I was like, oh, she's fun. Yeah. She's a good time. But, yeah, so we went, and more than once in this movie, I wanted to, like, stand up and applaud because <laughs> it was, <laughs> look, Elizabeth Banks fantastic fucking killed it it was everything that i wanted and expected from a charlie's angels movie mm-hmm. and then some yeah pulled out all the fucking stops she's so funny yes yeah, her sense of humor is like <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i love her specific brand of humor yeah i do too it was danny and i were talking about it because after the movie we went out with with a couple of our friends and got late night happy hour and margaritas and stuff. Mm-hmm. But in the car ride there, we were talking about the movie and how great everyone was. And she was like, we were talking about specifically Elizabeth Banks. And I was like, I remember the first time I ever saw her was in 40 year old virgin. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. as like the, the kooky like bookstore girl. Mm hmm. But she's so funny in that movie. And just, like, seeing her in all these fantastic movies. Mm-hmm. And now she took Charlie's Angels and just turned it into this, like, feminist, gorgeous, incredible movie. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is not an ad. It's not an ad. <laughs> this is a, Charlie's this Angels. Is just a ringing endorsement. Do you, you want to <laughs> sponsor us? Lizzie. Girl. Girl. <laughs> Come on. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was fantastic. We're going to go again. Yeah. I'm excited to... S- I want to see it. Mm-hmm. Because the Charlie's Angels movies that were the thing when I was growing up... Oh, God. They're so good. Loved them. Classic. So good. And the TV show from the 70s, also amazing. Yeah. There's just... Look, it's a lot of girl power. A lot of, a lot of like, fun and not, like, super serious, action-y. Serious. Like, it's... Nice. It's I a like bunch it. of ass kicking bad bitches <laughs> who dress incredibly. It's mm-hmm. I was like, oh, those boots. <laughs> wonder, wonder how much those bad boys are because can I get a pair? Thank you. You can't. They're I so know. expensive. <laughs> We're so poor. They're worth more than my life. <laughs> well, hello everyone. Hello everybody. Hi. This is that Broad's Got Moxie. It sure is. The podcast where we talk about broads. With, with Moxie. With Moxie. Sorry, I cut you off there. My it's bad. okay. I just want to quit. Danny this tells whole episode. me all the time <laughs> that she's like, oh, Kiana, Kiana's always just right on the verge, and you just pop in and finish her <laughs> sentence. And I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I accept it. I, I don't mind it at all. I'm trash. <laughs> Anyway, I'm Cassie. I'm Kiana. Danny's here. Danny's here. She's drinking tea. She went on a seven-mile hike today. Mm Mm-hmm. She had some baked goods. She had a shitload of baked goods. She had cupcakes yesterday. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Keeks brought her this box of fucking goodies from our favorite gluten-free bakery. Mm Mm-hmm. So. It's 
It's her birthday. It's she good. deserves it. You know what she's getting for her birthday? Diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> but really, though, diabetes is a serious, serious yeah. disease. Not funny, but Wilford Brimley is. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's episode... What did we 45. decide? 45. 45. So, Keeks, you're going to go first. Five. Six, seven, eight. Don't know why. <laughs> Before we begin, I just want to issue an apology to <laughs> the country of Madagascar. <laughs> I like to move it, move it. I would also like to just for that extend an apology for that. (laughs) So I, because we all know, you've listened to enough episodes that Mm -hmm. I'm the master of pronouncing names. Mm -hmm. I went through the entire, I don't even know her name. What's her name? (laughs) Rana Valona. Rana Valona. Her name's Rana Valona. I said Rana Lova because I see what I want and my (laughs) mouth does what it wants. And that's wrong. And I'll get better. We're on episode 45, and we'll, you know, I'm always growing and learning. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> Look, when we, were, when we were recording, I was like, uh-huh, it sounded right. And then it wasn't until I posted the episode and, like, Googled her name just to make sure I had it spelled right that I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm really good at this. <laughs> We are professionals. We're professionals. I like at the beginning, I was like, have you ever heard of her? And you were like, no. But then later you heard of her. It's probably because I just pronounced your name wrong. (laughs) That's entirely (laughs) didn't. It didn't click for you because I'm what? Garbage trash. (laughs) Anyways. Anyways. Here's this. We all all forgive you. (laughs) I mean, you don't have to. But we'll move past it. And I'll promise. Hmm. You're I'll gonna try. say You're gonna try really hard. <laughs> I'm going to try my bestest. Now, this week I'm going to be talking about another Donia, another Mrs. Another Danya. Another Danya. No, what did I say? Donna. Oh, another Donna. A Donna. <laughs> Donna. Donia. Donia Gracia Mendez Nasi. I, mm. I sent the name to Danny. Mm-hmm. It autocorrected to a different name. But I got... I. I hope this is right. I think it's right in my heart of hearts. <laughs> but I I will not. Fingers crossed, everyone. <laughs> I will not know peace until I die. <laughs> that's just, Won't we all? That's just what's going to happen. <laughs> but that's who I'm talking about today. Okay. <laughs> um, and my sources are Chabad.org, Headstuff.org, and the Jewish Women's Archive. Okay, because I'm going to talk about a Jewish woman today in honor of Hanukkah that's Perfect. coming up, or is now. When is this coming out in the time space I've continuum? I know. It's uh, the holiday month. It Yeah. Yeah, because Hanukkah starts the week before, the, the week, Monday before the, Yeah, the Monday Christmas. before Christmas. So, I think this comes out maybe like the 10th. It's the middle of... Wherever we are in time, it's not Hanukkah yet, but we're getting there. Yeah. And I'm covering a Jewish woman in honor of that. Gorgeous. Because I don't know if we've covered any Jewish women. We've covered a couple, I think. Probably. 
Let me. We all know that I'm, I'm always look over wrong. Over the top of your head, quick. Um. We're referring to our board of stuff. Mm-hmm. Our board of stuff. Real classic. <laughs> Griselda Blanco was Jewish. I th- I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're lying. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of anybody. Regardless. Anyway, regardless. This is who I'm going to talk about today. Okay. Before we be. Wait, the- what's her name again? <laughs> Dona Gracia Mendez Nasi. And she's Jewish. Yeah. Okie dokie. Come on. <laughs> it, used, it took me by surprise. <laughs> so before we begin, we should know some context. Mm-hmm. Throughout medieval times, and certainly past that, but I'm only talking about medieval times right now, okay. the Jewish people of Europe were seen as the traditional scapegoats for any misfortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were heavily persecuted and experienced violence and were forced to leave many countries to seek safety. Like, all the time. Yeah. They're very terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the environment that Doña Gracia Mendez Nasi was born into. So, let's move on. Gracia was born in 1510 in Portugal to a noble family. She was known by her Christianized name, Beatrice de Luna, but in private she was referred to as Hannah. Okay. Gracia is a literal Portuguese translation of Hannah, which means grace. Oh, I didn't know. That's lovely. And it's the name that she chose for herself when she had the freedom to choose. And so most of the, most of the story, her name, she went by Beatrice, but we're going to give her the name that she wanted, obviously. Like mm-hmm. It is believed that her parents were among the Spanish Jewish exiles who left Spain for Portugal in 1492, only to be forcibly baptized in Portugal in 1497, oh, making them... Sake. Yeah, I know. <laughs> making them... Quote, conversos. Oh. Conversos were Jewish people who had been forcibly converted to Christianity by royal decree or who had publicly converted in order to avoid the deadly prejudice of their neighbors. Starting out on a real positive foot. (laughs) As I like to do. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) Um, In secret, however, her family was... Her family still practiced Judaism, which was extremely dangerous and punishable by death. Oof. Yeah, not good. Those who secretly practiced Judaism were referred to as crypto-Jews, and that's what her family was. Mm, that's a fun name. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I Crypto-Jews, it just sounds like cryptocurrency. Yeah. It sounds like... With faith. Faith, yeah. <laughs> what Danny said. It's... What, are, what are the... What is, what is the... Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the Jewish version of Bitcoin. I just like the word. I wasn't really thinking about the, <laughs> like the the meat. I just crypto Jew. <laughs> just, it's the name of a superhero, right? <laughs> He's one of Superman's lesser known <laughs> nemesises. Also, just bef- before I we keep saying that, yeah, there was another article that there were several names that went by. Th- okay, that. People who practiced Judaism in secret were referred to as. Uh-huh. And this one showed up the most. Okay. And then I read a whole nother article and had put the word that they were using in because I was like, oh, this is good. Uh-huh. It was like, and at the end it was like, by the way, this is a slur. And I was like, well. Oh, no. <laughs> so go ahead and take all of that out. <laughs> but 
I don't think crypto Jew is a slur. Okay. But if it is, we're very sorry. I'm very sorry. And go ahead and, you know, fire me. Because <laughs> I'm on a roll. <laughs> anyway, in 1528, Gracia married Francisco Mendez Benavista, who was a wealthy new Christian merchant in Lisbon and whose his fortune derived from the West Indies. Uh, While her family were considered one of the richest families in Lisbon, the Mendes family that she was marrying into was considered one of the richest in Europe. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) That's a a whole different ballgame. Yeah. (laughs) Originally a baking, a banking, not baking. (laughs) They made real good bread. (laughs) You know those Portuguese egg tarts that are so famous? That's actually what they did. (laughs) Not money. No, not Bitcoin. No, no, not. They were into tarts. Tarts. But actually, <laughs> but actually, they were originally a banking family. Okay. But then they helped finance the expeditions into the East Indies. And, you know. <gasps> Did they give money to Christopher Columbus? Probably. They, they financed expeditions to go around the Cape of Good Hope. So they weren't mm-hmm. funding great people. But, you know. You know, the rich do what they do. Mm -hmm. And they found a sea route to India, which, you know, money, money, money. Mm -hmm. And this put them in control of the emerging spice trade, a role that earned them the title of the kings of black pepper. Fun. (laughs) Her husband. Queen of cinnamon. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You know me. A little bit of cinnamon. (laughs) That's an In the Heights reference. The other day, no, not that I bring that up. It was at our dinner table. It was me, Zeth, Hannah, who is Sage's girlfriend, uh-huh. and Sage, who Happy is my Sage. nemesis. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I forget what we were talking about. And then I said, you know me. And then Zeth and I at the same time said a little bit of cinnamon, which is a lyric from In the Heights. Ugh. And Hannah, <laughs> I thought it was very funny, was like, Sage, we have to rehearse something. <laughs> God damn it, Sage. Get on board. I'm actually not speaking to Sage right now. Oh. Because he tweeted something. It made me very upset. Uh-oh. He what? claimed he What's claimed that? that he was Keanu Reeves. And, every, and that's identity theft because everybody knows that I'm Keanu Reeves because my <laughs> name is Keanu and I was named after him. That's right. He's fired. He's fired. Mm-hmm. Levi and Zeth denounced him on Twitter. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I like to hear. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, back to the story. Um, her husband knew of her status as a crypto Jew uh, because his own family secretly practiced Judaism as well. Oh shit! So. In 1536, almost eight years after their marriage, the Pope had ordered the King of Portugal to establish an inquisition, making Lisbon less safe for Jewish people. Francisco and Gracia had recently had their first child and wanted to move to a safer location because of it. Because mm-hmm. obviously you want to live in a safe place, especially yeah, when you have a child. Your child yeah. Under the guise of expanding their enormous spice fortune, Francisco looked into settling in Antwerp. Belgium. Okay. I was like, "Mm, (laughs) that's a weird one. I don't know where that is. (laughs) It's a very historically significant city. I knew that. 
Okay. <laughs> I just didn't, I couldn't, I was like, I've heard of this city. I know it's an important one. Couldn't tell you what country it was in. I always. Yeah. Oh, diamonds. Our girl's best friend. Yeah. And Antwerp's best friend. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I always get confused because I sometimes think it's in the Netherlands. That's what I was, that's what I thought. And then I was like, mm, it's over, it's right, it's up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's Belgium. <laughs> They're kind of, you know, there's like a pocket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Antwerp was officially a part of the Spanish Empire. However, it had free city status, making it exempt from the rigors of the Inquisition. Oh, that's good, because the Inquisition is shit. Yeah, that's what they're fleeing. Mm-hmm. It's bad. I don't... It's bad. Mm-hmm. Also, a trading capital of Europe, Antwerp, it seemed only logical for the House of Mendes to move there. And that's what Francisco's family was, the Absolutely. House of Mendes. In 1538, Francisco died before they could make the move to Antwerp as a family, but mm-hmm. Gracia did not let this derail her plans. She got on a boat, along with her younger sister, Brenda de Luna. Not Brenda. 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 Wait. Brenda. 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 B-R-I-E-N-D-A? Yeah. Brenda. I looked at it again, because I'm learning. (laughs) Donna and Brenda went to Antwerp, and they were totally, like, in the free trade thing, you know? Anyways, (laughs) her younger sister and her child were on this boat to go to Antwerp. Nice. They first went to England, and then from there went to Antwerp. I just decided to put the directions they took (laughs) into the story. Look, I think that's a nice little pit stop that they took. It was. I bet it was lovely. I bet. They had a good fish and chip. Potato. Oh, yeah. Good potato. Mm Mm-hmm. Less some tea. Yeah. Food probably wasn't as spiced as they would like, coming from the black. They brought pepper with, I bet. Yeah, true. They probably, you know... I got hot sauce in my bag. I got black pepper in this purse. (laughs) That's what they said. Before Francisco died, he wrote in his will that the company be split between his brother and his wife. Oh, wow. His brother was well aware that Gracia had been running the Lisbon end of the operation for quite some time during his brother's illness. Mm -hmm. And so when it came time to split responsibilities, he was like, cool, whatever. I know she's going to be doing the right thing. Good. So, to further cement the cooperation between the two families, that being the Mendes and the De Lunas, Diogo, who is Francisco's brother, mm-hmm. married Gracia's sister, Brenda. Oh. Oh, it's a whole family affair. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and they soon gave birth to a daughter who they named after Gracia. So, Beatrice to the world, Hannah to her family. Nice. In 1540, the, em- the Emperor Charles V had ordered the magistrates of Antwerp to begin investigating, quote, suspected Jews. He didn't want to kill them, though, which is cool. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, oh, no, he only wanted to, to rob them of oh. everything that oh, they had. Yes, of course. So noble. <laughs> the Mendez family was rich, and so they were very clearly a target. Mm-hmm. In 1542, a super inconvenient thing happened. Diego died. Oh, no! So, in the middle of this shakedown, the person who she was splitting the fortune with Uh died. In his will, he confirmed that Gracia owned half of the family fortune. Mm -hmm. Cool. She already knew that. But he also left her as the executor of the other half of the estate. So, now she had the whole goddamn thing. Oh, shit. And he did this on behalf of 
her sister and that's right his daughter mm-hmm. um she was also in this will named the official guardian of beatrice who was her sister's daughter <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Way to go above your wife's head. <laughs> so, clearly, Diego regarded Gracia as a suitable person to leave everything sure, to. yeah. But Brienda was pissed. Oh, no. <laughs> right? I feel like rightfully so. You're going to give away so. her daughter. <laughs> but also, like, why, you know, like, they're sisters. They clearly have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. We well, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> because he basically gave his daughter to her aunt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he did it. We don't know, Brianda. Maybe she was a bitch. Yeah. She's she's a hot mess. I, I, She'll never be able to take care of money and a child. Right. Let's give them both to, to Donna. Let's not leave her one. <laughs> so there's a rift between the sisters now. Not only that. The shakedown of crypto-Jewish people was still happening, Uh and charges of crypto-Judaizing, I wrote that down. That's a name. Yeah. They were brought against Francisco, her late husband, with the aim of taking away the family's fortune. Of course. So if they charged him, they would charge her money. But he's dead. Right. It would be posthumously. That's stupid. I don't know. Laws were He's bad. He's not back practicing then. it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're not wrong. He's not practicing anything anymore <laughs> <laughs> due to the death. But, <laughs> but you know, laws weren't great back then. Yeah. For, I mean, one big red flag in the laws is being. Illegal to be Jewish, <laughs> you know. Number so one. So it's not like great stuff going on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but other threats appeared at this time as well. Now a rich bitch widow, aggressive suitors with support from imperial powers began seeking her daughter's hand in marriage with the idea that once they became the only man in the family, they would get all that money. So they're pedophiles because yeah. she's a child. Yeah. She's a wee babe. I don't know how we... She's not... She's not very old at all. No. Not at all. She's an elementary school child. Yeah. And they want that hand in marriage. That little tiny hand that That probably plays with dolls. Yeah. No. And hope... And you know... (laughs) If there are any silver linings to that, I don't think they were really interested in the child. (laughs) (laughs) It's mostly the money. But you know, we don't know. fish to fry. (laughs) But tomato, tomato gross right (laughs) so now she has to worry about this charles v shakedown her family being outed as practicing jewish people her sister's resentment because her sister was so mad Mm -hmm. um imperial backed suitors and the safety of her loved ones so she's got a lot on her plate she's got a lot but she battled these political waters like the badass but she was Mm -hmm. she succeeded in having the charges against her late husband withdrawn by negotiating the payment of a large bribe uh, <laughs> to Charles V. She also withstood pressures from all around her to, of like, like, hey, get away, suitors. Like, mm-hmm. this, ain't, this ain't it. Mm-hmm. To give her time to run away. So in 19... No, that's the wrong time. I always nope. like doing that. Mm-hmm. In 1544. <laughs> in 1544. 1544. <laughs> the woman took all their valuables 
and they went on a, quote, holiday. Yeah, I bet um, they did. <laughs> and then from their holiday destination, they fled to Venice. Nice. So they went boop, boop. Boop. It was six months before anybody in Antwerp realized <laughs> <laughs> that they weren't coming back and that they straight left. <laughs> uh, the imperial government wasn't happy about it and retaliated by accusing the Mendes sisters of apostasy and placing an embargo on both the property they left behind in Antwerp and the debts they owed to them. Now. Please explain. I will. Okay. Because I was... <laughs> I read that and was like, ooh, girl, you didn't look that up. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I'm on a fucking roll. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's okay. It means the abandonment or re- renunciation of a religious or political belief. That's what apostasy is? Yeah. Okay. So, oh, so they were being charged with leaving Christianity when they ran away. Gotcha. Okay. So, that's what that means. That's also a shitty law. <laughs> that is. <laughs> I'm glad I don't know what it is, because oh it means it's not around anymore. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. You know, I'm going to take that back, because it might be somewhere. It could be. <sighs> well. <laughs> it's a good word, though. Apostasy. Assuming that I'm pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> I, I think you're... I, I think I am. It sounds right. So, they did all of the... The government did all of this, because they wanted to confiscate confiscate <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry Danny laughed and I couldn't help myself <laughs> they wanted to take the money from them <laughs> but they couldn't take the money without charging the, the women first okay so it's so she had to be back in the country for her to go to mm-hmm. trial but mm-hmm. she was like I'm not going back there so she sent a family friend to go to court for her mm-hmm. to fight the charges. And her defense was that they were Portuguese subjects, so they couldn't <laughs> possibly be charged with any of the stuff in Antwerp. Yeah, exactly. Also, when she gave this defense, she was like, hey, Charles V, here's an interest-free loan. <laughs> um, you know, just in good measure. Mm-hmm. And Charles V was like, I think I'm going to drop these charges. <laughs> so <laughs> Weird. Gosh, what a good guy. <laughs> I know. He's really great dude. He's so understanding. <laughs> really benevolent. Right. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so in Venice, the family took up residence on the Grand Canal and opened up a trading business. Although things were much better in Venice, they still needed to be careful and stick together. Uh, but things don't always work out that way. And so, <laughs> Brianda decided to sue her sister. Uh-oh. Now, this ain't going to go down well. Uh-oh. So, she had never gotten... Get messy. Yeah. She had never gotten over the fact that her husband left her wealth and her daughter to her sister. So, she sued Gracia to get them back. She thought that she would win the case against her sister, but she just ultimately fucked everybody over in... in oh. In the family. Mm -hmm. So Brianda had revealed Gracia's secret plans to move to the Ottoman Empire to the authorities. And then rather than taking away Gracia's passport like they normally would, they arrested her. They took both of Gracia's daughters, which... (laughs) (laughs) Her daughter and her niece. Yeah. um, And then placed them in a convent. And then the Venetian government was like, 
maybe we should get a go at trying to get oh this my money. Gosh. <laughs> Everybody wants that black pepper money. Look, more money, more problems. Yeah. And that's she's got a lot of them. She's got yeah. <laughs> you can't buy your way out of everything. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe she will. I guess so we'll the, have to see. <laughs> the case went to trial in 1547 but dragged on until 1548. Gracia unsurprisingly lost the case. And equally unsurprising, the court did not give the family fortune to Brienda. Uh, they didn't give it to... What happened? Weird. They didn't take it from one woman and give it to another woman? Well, they gave it to another woman. <laughs> so, <laughs> was this woman a fucking queen? No, it was okay. be- It was um, the niece. Oh. So it got put into a trust until she turned 18. But of oh. course, this trust was with the v- Venetian government mm, and the mm-hmm. and the treasury Convenient. office. Yeah. yeah. By the time that the verdict was announced, Gracia had been released from arrest and retrieved both of her daughters. One of her, one daughter, one niece. (laughs) (laughs) They secretly moved to Ferreira, which was um, more openly hospitable to Jewish people. Nice. Hospitable enough, in fact, that she decided to abandon her false name of Beatrice. Oh. And for the first time, publicly declare herself as Doña Gracia Nasi. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You get it, girl. She things are turning around for yeah. old Gracia. Slowly but surely. <laughs> Very slowly. <laughs> so following the trial, Gracia began secret secret. Secret <laughs> secret Be very quiet while hunting rabbits. <laughs> secret we <laughs> She began secret negotiations with the Ottoman Empire so that her and her daughter could become Turkish subjects. Mm-hmm. She also was trying to convince them to let her sister and her niece become Turkish sub- subjects, mm-hmm. but they weren't into it and they wanted to stay in Venice. Gotcha. These dealings became less secret in 1552 when the Tur- when a Turkish envoy arrived in Italy to facilitate her move to Istanbul. Okay. Uh, a settlement was negotiated where Brenda received enough money to live in comfort... Not the fortune she wanted, but mm-hmm. she was allowed to stay in Venice. And 100,000 gold ducats were put into the Venetian treasury for Beatrice. Goodness. Uh, before she left. With all of that settled, Gracia and her daughter swiftly departed to Istanbul. And with them, their share of the Mendes fortune. So she still retained most of the mm-hmm. money. Good. Yeah. Gracia's Mendes Nazi... Why did I put her full name <laughs> Gracias. Connections and wealth made her an immediate force to be reckoned with in Istanbul. She swiftly became a leader of a local Jewish community and financed the building of several synagogues. Oh, wow. Yeah. Unlike the in Christian Europe, they were free to organize their own communities and run their own affairs, as long as they respected the structure of the Ottoman bureaucracy and paid their taxes. Which they had a bit of an extra tax because, mm-hmm. quote, non-Muslim subjects just had to pay it. Oh. So everybody who wasn't Muslim paid a little bit more. Okay. Which, preferable, pref- I prefer that than, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> than, you know, killing. Yeah. Being killed and for- Stealing. And, yeah. Yeah. All that. Things are looking up in the Ottoman mm-hmm. Empire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Gracia also continued to exert influence back in Europe, of course, because uh, the spice trade was still... Hopping. Hopping, even though 
Europeans don't really season their food. <laughs> oh, it's real boring. Yeah. I mean, not in, not in like Spain and Portugal. And, yeah. But did it make it to England? I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> this influence in Europe was needed as dark times were coming for the Jewish people in the area. Pope Paul IV, who ascended to, into power in 1555, was a notorious anti-Semite. Mm. He issued a papal bull, which led to seven synagogues being demolished in Rome and many more all throughout Europe. Oh, my God. Because he de- he declared that only one synagogue was allowed per city. God, popes can be real assholes. They can. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> um, he also forced Jewish people to wear yellow hats to mark them out when they left their ghettos that they were forced to live in. And they were severely restricted in the matters of trade and residence. There were mass arrests and 24 people were burned at the stake, uh, with many others being imprisoned or made into galley slaves. Oh, my God. Among those executed... Remember when I said this was going up? I lied. Oh, my God. Anyway. You you tricked me. (laughs) Sorry, I tricked myself. (laughs) Uh, Among those executed was Gracia's agent in the city. And so she decided that she was going to lead a boycott in Anconia to try and get those who were imprisoned free. The boycott didn't really work because um, a lot of Jewish people were already fearing for their lives. They mm-hmm. didn't want to out themselves as Jewish yeah. by participating in the boycott. And so it eventually collapsed, the boycott. Ooh. Gracia did her best for the refugees from Europe who came into Turkey and ensured that Istanbul was a welcoming place offering freedom of religion and employment. Her daughter became involved in publishing along with Abraham Yuskiu. Sure. Who was a guy who moved to Istanbul, <laughs> who's important because I n- mentioned him. Okay. Don't ask me why. <laughs> this is that Brad's got Moxie. I'm not going to talk about Abraham because <laughs> he's a man. Anyways. Part of Gracia's efforts to resettle the, uh, these refugees involved getting permission from Sultan Suleiman to resettle the ancient Jewish cities of Safid and Tiberias. By the late 1560s, Gracia had retired from public life and began to control the House of, House of Mendez from behind the scenes and passed on the power of rule mm-hmm. of the House of Mendez to her son-in-law, Joseph Nasi, in 1569. Nope. In the late 1560s. In 1569, she died. Oh, okay. (laughs) Gracia became the center of worldwide help to controversos and Jews in suffering. Her wealth was used not only for business, but to also buy the favors of princes, opening many doors for the prosecuted. Persecuted. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so good at this. Wow. You're just on a roll today. (laughs) She fostered Jewish culture and poets wrote at great length in praise of her many achievements as a patron and helper of Jewish people in those really dark days. She built many synagogues, established places to study the Torah mm-hmm. and libraries, and supported scholars. She helped resettle hundreds of controversos and enabled them to return to the Jewish faith. Oh, So that never really went up. It didn't. <laughs> It was mm. like it was up, and then it went real down, and then it came up just as coach, but then it just then it went right back it, down. It was right back down. Man, that's a broad with Moxie, though. It is like, though. 
That's shit. an enduring kind yeah. of gal. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because she went through a lot. She saw a lot of bad things. Yeah. Just kept it going and made life and better made for many more people. Other people. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what? I fucking love a woman who not only, like, stands up for herself and what what she deserves and makes sure that her voice is heard, mm-hmm. but then passes that on mm-hmm. and enables other people's communities to thrive and yeah. gives other people a voice. Yeah. That's great. Ugh, I liked her. What a peach. <laughs> Um, Sorry I pronounced everything wrong. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to do? In, I've told this to you before, in New Girl, when Uh Schmidt and Cece get married, (laughs) (laughs) Cece says, like, in her vows, I'm excited to live a life where everyday words are mispronounced. (laughs) And if that's not Zeth's life with me, (laughs) boy, I don't know. Oh, I love it. <laughs> On our adventure last weekend, you said something really funny. And then you told me that. Yeah. Because I mispronounced something. Mis- mispronounced something. In yeah. my everyday life. Day to day. It was so funny. It was so good. <laughs> oh. That's, we didn't tell anybody that. Last week, we went to the Mary Hill Museum. Oh, yeah. For my birthday. Yes. We went on a little... A little day, a little day trip to mm-hmm. Mary Hill, and went to the Mary Hill Museum, and then went and got really amazing Chinese food. Mm-hmm. It was such a good day. Yeah, that it was, was so wonderful. And and you liked? Oh, I loved it. The Mary Hill Museum is uh-huh. great. This is again another shout out to that museum. This is a shout out to that museum. A good museum. Also, the woman that I'm talking about today was mentioned very briefly. At the museum. Oh. And I was kind of bummed because the the item who, that belonged to the woman I'm talking about today was not there because it's dangerous. <laughs> is it radium? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it? Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> today I'm going to talk about Marie Curie. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so, before I start, they had... Um, one of I don't actually know if the I am I am assuming that the it was a journal mm-hmm. I think it was a journal yeah um that belonged to Marie Curie mm-hmm. at it was supposed to be there yeah <laughs> it was currently not there uh, and I was like oh maybe because it's you know irradiated <laughs> I don't know if that's why it wasn't there <laughs> or let's start that rumor <laughs> we should start that rumor but fun fact. <laughs> Most of Marie Curie's papers and journals and things that she handled every day are kept in, like, lead-lined boxes. Oh, wow. So. So I imagine that that one. <laughs> yeah. Even though it was it was a gift to Louis, right? It was. A, yes, it was a gift to Louis Fuller. Mm-hmm. But. They probably know. found something. <laughs> <laughs> probably went down there with one of those little things that, like. A Geiger meter? Yeah. And it just went off the charts <laughs> in I that love, hallway. <laughs> I love that a Geiger meter is a is a gadget that goes <laughs> like a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you can tell if something's got radiation. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, Chernobyl Dang. is really loud when you take a bunch of those. <laughs> it just sounds the same as a turkey farm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, speaking of, hope everyone had a lovely Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and got to spend time with their friends and families. Mm-hmm. And had good food mm-hmm. and not turkey because turkey tastes like napkins. That's not true. I love turkey. Mm, I don't know. You're <laughs> cooking one. And I can cook one and think it tastes bad. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. It's not my... F- I can season it and try to liven it up a bit, but nothing's going to stop it from tasting like a napkin at its soul. I don't... Look, I'll eat a seasoned we napkin. We- I'll eat a <laughs> cupcake liner. <laughs> and you have. I have. You eat the wax on cheese. I eat the wax. <laughs> you eat a lot of non-food items. <laughs> I was in London once, and we were on a night bus, and I had um, a pastry from Chinatown. Uh-huh. And I ate all of it. <laughs> and one of my friends went, what did you do with the paper? <laughs> and I was like, oh no. <laughs> Got a little extra fiber in your diet that day, eh? So I'm not opposed to, to <laughs> meat that tastes like napkins because I eat napkins. This <laughs> <sighs> is that broad got moxie. Look. That's where we're at. All right. Okay. I'm going to start. All right. Talking about Marie Curie today. Mm -hmm. Madame. Madam. Don't touch that box. You don't touch that box. Ooh, don't touch me there. (laughs) I don't know square. I'm sorry. What? Have you never heard that before? No. What did you say? Oh, my God. It's... Ooh. (laughs) No, no. Sing it. (laughs) So, you... Make a box. You snap in a box. Of okay. Where you don't want to be touched. Bounce, 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 Okay. Yeah. Ooh, don't touch me there. This is my no-no square. <laughs> You've never heard that? I've never heard it. My generation I... knows about consent. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> You're that's, right. <laughs> that's fun. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It's a good fun way to have little kids say... I'm not uncomfortable. Yeah. Don't touch me. I like that. That's great. I never heard it though. Got a little, got a yeah. little pizzazz to it. Yeah. Got a little rhythm. All right. Go ahead and tell me about down to Madame. Madame. All right. Marie Curie was born Maria Sklodowska on November seventh, eighteen sixty-seven. So not only is she a Scorpio, but her birthday is only a day after mine. Oh. Mm-hmm. So she's a nightmare. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm sorry for You're a nightmare you every time. Okay. <laughs> uh, she was born in Warsaw, Poland, and she was the youngest of five children. Hmm. I didn't know she was Polish. Hmm? Surprise! Both of Marie P- Marie's parents were teachers. I think her mother taught like. I was, I almost said English. She didn't teach English. (laughs) I think she taught like grammar. Mm -hmm. And then her father uh, was a math and physics instructor. Unfortunately, when she was only 10 years old, her mother, Bronislava, died from tuberculosis. It's a bad one. Um, So as a child, she was very smart, curious, and did exceptionally well at school. As a uh, fun after-school activity, she joined a student's revolutionary organization. (laughs) Oh, hello. (laughs) Love a revolutionary. (laughs) Exactly. Even though she was at the top of her class 
at her se- secondary school, so like high school, mm-hmm. Marie was not allowed to attend the men's only University of Warsaw. Because, of course. <laughs> uh, of course. She said, fuck that, and instead continued her education in Warsaw's, quote, floating university, which was a set of underground informal classes that were held in secret. Oh. Which is very cool. Yeah. It's like super secret. I like that it's floating. Right? (laughs) (laughs) For a second, I was like, it's floating. Like, yeah. And then I was like, no, it's floating because it moves around. (laughs) It's not on a boat. It's not on a boat. (laughs) There's no and Cody's sweet life on deck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sure isn't. Okay. And then I said, I put, uh, because we wouldn't want those women to get any smarter. (laughs) Don't want them to have ideas. That's why we had to go underground. Marie and her sister, sister Branya, dreamed of going abroad. Not only to escape Russian-ruled Warsaw, Mm. which was not great at the time, they wanted to go to school and get an official degree, but school is um, effing expensive, Mm -hmm. and they didn't have student loans back then. Mm -hmm. Right. So, these two sisters were not going to let anything get in their way, so they came up with this plan. Marie would work and earn money Mm -hmm. and help Branya pay for her schooling first mm-hmm. because she was older and then vice versa. After okay. Branya was done, she would work, earn money so that Marie could go to school. That's nice. For about five years, Marie worked as a tutor and a governess and used her spare time to study reading about physics, chemistry, and math. I'm always like afraid of people who in their spare time can do <laughs> stuff like that. Who like right? casually want to be like, oh, physics. I love Phys- that. What? Who are you? Who's that? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. When Zeth does programming for fun, <laughs> I'm always like, how did you do that? I'm gonna sit down and read, or mm-hmm. I don't know what I do in my free time. <laughs> I'm gonna scroll through Twitter. Amen. So in 1891, Marie made it to Paris, and she enrolled at the Sorbonne. She was a fantastic student and worked very hard in her classes. But with very little money, she mostly survived on buttered bread and tea. It also did wonders for her figure. Ew. (laughs) That really, coming from me, it's it's terrible, but I was like, not great. But because of the lack of actual food and nutrients, her health suffered. <laughs> said surprise, surprise. Said no one ever. Like you can't uh, live off of. I mean, I could live and, off of bread and, and butter, tea. and yeah, <laughs> let's be real. But you couldn't like live. <laughs> but not like live, live. Yeah. But I would be totally happy to just be like, oh, you want me to eat this loaf of delicious French bread? Ooh, I'd be down. Problems, no problem. Got you. So, she was, like, sickly. She wasn't in, like, great shape. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was, but she wasn't. No, I know. I'm just thinking about <laughs> and her I her know. future health doesn't get much better. Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't. I feel real bad for her. Uh, Marie completed her master's degree in physics in 1893 and earned another degree in mathematics the following year. She is fucking wicked smart. Yeah. I can't. I can't even. Yeah. 
I follow a bunch of like women in STEM. Mm-hmm. All of that, I don't. I don't get any of it. Like yeah. that is that side of my brain doesn't want to compute it's like useless. That. <laughs> but I will cheer them on Fuck so yeah. hard because that's what my brain can do. Mm-hmm. Cheer. <laughs> <laughs> I can cheer. I can bake cupcakes. Like woo woo. I'm 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 rah rahing for you. Yeah, for sure. I might say a few things wrong, but I'll with vigor say good job. Good job, <laughs> women in STEM. Keep going. Good job. Good job. <laughs> I can't. Shortly after she graduated from Sorbonne University, she was introduced to a suave little French physicist named Pierre Curie. A romance developed between the brilliant couple, and they became a scientific, dynamic duo who were completely devoted to one another. Ooh. Do you remember when we had this conversation? I think it was maybe in our Q&A. And we were talking about how it's unfortunate that all of the women that we talk about oh. just have shitty partners. Yeah. <laughs> and we could only think of a few that were like, oh, no, but that's good. Like, they were yeah. happy. Marie and Pierre were good. fucking cute as a button. Good. Mm-hmm. I always feel this little, like, heart flutter uh-huh. whenever I hear... So, obviously, they had their maiden names, mm-hmm. all of the women we talk about. And then whenever we go, and then she met, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's the last name that she then takes and becomes, like, mm-hmm. the name becomes famous for. Yeah. I felt that little heart flutter. Mm-hmm. Pierre Curie, I was like, oh, that's the guy. <laughs> that's, that's, that's her. Him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you're such a romantic. It's so cute. <laughs> it doesn't usually work out. But now, I'm glad this but one does. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> The two were married in the summer of 1896, probably on a beautiful French hillside covered in lavender. Oh. <laughs> in 1897, they welcomed the first of their two daughters, Irene. That's probably not how you say Irene with a French accent, but that's how I'm going to say that's, it. <laughs> sounds right to me. I don't want to mess it up. At first, the lovebirds worked on separate projects, but after Marie discovered radioactivity... Pierre put aside his own work to help with her research. Oh, Like a good husband should. Yes! <laughs> yeah. Quick breakdown of Marie's research. Oh, oh That's God. That's Okay. All right. In 1895, x-rays were discovered. Don't ask me how I'm not a scientist. <laughs> In 1896, radioactivity was discovered. Again, not a scientist. Mm-hmm. Influenced by these two important discoveries... Marie decided to study uranium rays as a topic for a thesis. Okay. Because she is a scientist. She writes theses for fun. Yes. Because that's... Theses? <laughs> that sounds terrible. It's the size. The size. The size. <laughs> the pearl of thesis is the size. Theses? That sounds like that poop. That sounds... Yeah. <laughs> the Look, I'm just going to step... I'm going to go with thesis. Thosis. Thosis. Thosi. How about thesi? That's what I said. Is it? Did I say that? You said thesi. You said thesi. Oh. (laughs) I meant to say what you said. In my brain, I was saying that. (laughs) Octopus. Octopus. Octopus eye. (laughs) That's a character from anything to drink Character from James Bond. (laughs) Octopus eye. 
Oh, Jesus. Okay, she's writing theses for fun. <laughs> theses. <laughs> I can't. Oh. She's writing these big, long papers for kicks. And she's studying uranium rays to do so. So she used an electrometer, which is a gadget that Pierre and his brother had invented. Oh. Uh, so she used this electrometer to measure the electrical charge produced by uranium rays. Okay. Okay. She hypothesized that the radiation was not the outcome of some, like, weird interaction of molecules, but the electricity had to come from inside the atom itself. Excuse me. Not the electricity. The radiation. Okay. Was not because things were bumping into each other, etc., but that it was actually coming from within the atom. Okay. So, Marie herself coined the term radioactivity. So, she called it that, even though a guy a couple years prior technically discovered what was going on. What was happening that created that. But she called it radioactivity. Working with these materials, Pierre and Marie discovered a new radioactive element in 1898 and named the element polonium after Marie's native country of Poland. Hmm. Mm-hmm. They also detected the presence of another radioactive material in this, it's called a pitch blend, which I think is just like a big mix of like elements. I don't really, I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and so they found that and they called that radium. Okay. <laughs> So in how na- how do people I don't know find elements? They're so small. Yeah, they're. Ha- mm-hmm. Honestly, if other people didn't find it, I'd still be down with wood, fire, <laughs> water, <laughs> wind, and earth as elements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what kind of alchemy magic shit they're doing. But they can find atoms and figure out the difference between Yeah, them. how do you find the difference between them? It makes my brain hurt just doing this research. I was exhausted. <laughs> I was like, I I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> this is a mystery up there with how do people build bridges. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if someone wants to explain how you discover an element... I'm not going to listen. Because <laughs> I'll but be we too confused. To, we want to know. Somebody who's in STEM, let us know. You let Cassie know. Let me know. Thank you. <laughs> if um, I learn too much, I cry. Because <laughs> I get scared. In 1902, the couple announced that they had produced a decigram of pure radium demonstrating its existence as a unique chemical element. So they 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 proved it was different. They proved it was different and they could they could like get it down to just this element. I guess. <laughs> uh Marie's early research was done in well to be frank shitty conditions. <laughs> um like she was in a little shack outside of uh, the University of Warsaw. It had, it had poor ventilation, which is never good. Yeah. It had a leaky roof. They just had zero funding. And all 
of these things led to Marie taking a whole bunch of, well, actually both of them, taking just teaching position and tutoring jobs and mm. any source of income that they could bring in. They were like, yeah, yes, everything, fine. Uh, between 1898 and 1902, the Curies published, jointly or separately, a total of 32 scientific papers. So oh, lo- have you ever seen a scientific <laughs> paper? They're like 80 pages long. They're so long. There's and so, so many like symbols and in big it words that aren't letters. Yeah. Oh my god, it's a lot. And that's that's over four years. Included in this group was one that announced big news. <laughs> when exposed to radium, diseased tumor-forming cells were destroyed faster than healthy cells. Mm. So this was quite a breakthrough. And I'm just... Look. I'm gonna spill the beans. Okay. Spill them. Since I'm doing Marie Curie this week, Mm -hmm. we're talking about radium. (sighs) What are you... Next week is the... Yeah. Next week I'm talking about the radium girls. Okay, cool. (laughs) So... It's not gonna be a surprise, everyone. I'm but surprised. Tune in next week because that is a whole fucking like bananas, yeah, story. Yeah, it's very good. But and it shows you what radium does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert: it's bad news bears. Mm-hmm. It's well, it did. It is partially what led into Louis's death demise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so this is this is a huge breakthrough. So in 1900, we're going back a couple years, Marie became the first woman faculty member at the, uh, mm, mm, boy, that's French, Ecole. Do you want me to do it? Because we expect yes, you to be please. wrong. Where is it? The second paragraph, halfway through the first Ecole Normale Superiore. <laughs> Thank you. That was real good. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know I'm what that is. Into it. But, <laughs> but she was the first woman uh, faculty member there. Mm-hmm. It's a school. I'm assuming it's a school. It's a superior one, clearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and her husband joined the faculty at the University of Paris. Hmm. So. These were big things. So then we're hopping again to June of 1903. Marie was awarded her doctorate from the University of Paris. So not only was she teaching at the Superior School, Mm -hmm. but she was also working on her doctorate, which is why she was working on a fucking radium thesis. Yeah. 32 of them. 32. (laughs) Jointly and individually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That month, so this is June 1903 still. That month, the couple were invited to the Royal Institution in London to give a speech on radioactivity. Being a woman, however, Marie was prevented from speaking. And Pierre was the only one who was allowed to talk. Ugh. And then I literally put, (coughs) bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. I do, too. Well, all of this is going on a new money-making industry began to develop. The Curies did not, however, patent their discovery. And so they got 
shit nothing. nothing. Yeah. They got nothing from this increasingly profitable business, which we will talk about next week. Mm -hmm. In December of that year, 1903, the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences awarded Pierre Curie, Marie Curie, and Henry Back... Excuse me. Not Henry. Henri Bacquerel, the Nobel Prize in Physics. And that was in recognition of the extraordinary services they have rendered rendered by their joint researches on the radiation phenomena discovered by Professor Henri Becquerel. So at first, the committee had intended to only honor Pierre and Henri. Of course. Of course. But a committee member and advocate for women scientists, this Swedish mathematician named Magnus... Mangus? Magnus. You put some respect to his name. <laughs> he was the only one on that whole committee. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. No, no. Swedish. He's a Swedish mash... Mash, mash potato. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> a Swedish mash I don't know why that just really... I'm a little sleepy. That really tickled you. (laughs) It did. (laughs) Okay. Magnus Gosta Mittagleffler. He's a Swedish man. (laughs) Anyway, he was the only one to advocate for Marie. And basically he was like, well, this is some real bullshit. So he went to Pierre, who fucking loves and adores his wife. Mm-hmm. He turned around and complained and was like, I'm not accepting this if you don't also give my wife, whose research <laughs> it fucking is, I'm merely helping. Right. It started as hers. Exactly. So Marie's name was added to the nomination, making Marie Curie the first woman to be awarded a Nobel Prize. Oh, wow. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. Very first one. Amidst all of their hard work and Nobel Prize winning, they managed to let their hair done and get frisky. (laughs) Because in 1904, (laughs) Marie birthed another baby girl named Eve. (laughs) In 1906, excuse me, in April of 1906, this guys, be prepared. This is going to go downhill quickly. Yeah. In April of 1906, while walking across the road in heavy rain, Pierre was struck by a horse-drawn carriage. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) I know. I'm really sorry. He fell underneath its wheels and died. Marie was devastated um, by her husband's death and grieved for him while caring for two little girls, one of whom is just a wee babe, Mm -hmm. and continuing her work, which she later dedicated a bunch of stuff to him and I cried a little bit when oh. I was doing this because I was like I didn't know that that's the most upsetting thing yeah in April excuse me in May so a month later she actually took Pierre's place as the professor of general physics at the Univer- University of Paris which was the first time a woman had ever held that position that's good she yeah she she took that on Took, yeah. took over his mantle and Aww. carried on. It's devastating. It was very sad because yeah. they really were, like, very sad. Really, yes. And he, 
he was a good man. Yeah. He was good for her. Mm. Despite Marie's fame as a scientist working for France, the public's attitude tended toward xenophobia, surprise, Mm. surprise, which fueled false speculation that she was Jewish. Oh, okay. okay. So during the French Academy of Sciences elections, she was vilified by the right-wing press as a foreigner and an atheist. How can... Hold on. Hold on a goddamn okay. second. How can you be Jewish and an atheist? Mm. I can't answer that question. I mean, but I'm sure there are people who are I think biologically it's... Jewish who are atheist. But Sure. But... I don't... It defies... Yeah. It defies... Yeah, it defies the logical fucking explanation. But I... It feels very like, if you're not with us, you're against us. Yeah. And they were just... They're being dicks. That's all it is. They were just looking for a reason. Yeah. Stupid. So then there was... It wasn't a scandal. Mm -hmm. She had a brief romance. This was several years later, by the Mm -hmm. way. Not not super long, but she had a brief romance with a fellow physicist mm-hmm. named Paul. Mm-hmm. He was a, he was estranged from his wife, but was technically still married. Mm-hmm. And they had they had some in a, a relationship, mm-hmm. a romantic relationship of some sort. But anyway, so not only is she being shit on by the press. Even though she's doing fucking amazing things for France, you're welcome. Yeah. But then they found out about this relationship and this scandal, quote unquote, because it's not at all. Mm-hmm. The press ran with it and exploded her. Expl- <laughs> <laughs> Let me just clarify the press did not explode her they exploited her i don't know if you saw my reaction i was genuinely shocked i thought they put, that's how marie curie died i thought they put a bomb in her like jesus okay, okay they exploited oh, they exploited her mm-hmm and they called her, like, a Jewish homewrecker in the tabloids. This was all fueled, mind you. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't just stumble upon this. Like, her, like, super jelly opponents in mm-hmm. this field were yeah. like, hmm, what can we stir up yeah. to make her look bad? Yeah. It's fucked up. In fact, when this, again, quote, scandal broke... Mm-hmm. She was at a conference in Belgium. She wasn't even in the fucking country. How, so, hmm, when she got home, an angry mob. Oh, my God. Was, like, grouped in front of her fucking, like, house. And she had to take her babies and go to a friend's house to fucking, like, seek refuge. Let her live her life with her deadly poison that she works with. Come right? Come on. Uh So anyway, the French loved her when she was being honored in other places. Mhm. But shit talked her and overlooked her hard work when it came to like French honors. Yeah. Just gross. Have you it's It's also France, but it's like 
the way that a lot of immigrants are treated in like every country. But there was a soccer player who is from Africa, mm-hmm. and he said after something happened soccer wise you know things things like that sure and he was like yeah i'm african when we're doing bad but when we're doing great i'm french oh abs yep yeah uh absolutely mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of immigrants have to deal with which when- is some real bullshit yeah Ugh. but yep. i imagine that's how that is a hundred percent how that worked but Everybody can suck it. Because in 1911, Marie Curie was awarded the Nobel Prize again, this time in chemistry. Two. Two. She's the first person to win two Nobel Prizes and remains the only person, except for this guy named Linus Pauling, Mm -hmm. who are Nobel laureates in two fields each. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Suck it. All of you. Suck everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you tell them, Keeks. Thank you. When World War I broke out in 1914, Marie devoted her time and resources to help the war effort. She championed the use of portable x-ray machines in the field... And then, also, they had these little medical vehicles that drove around with the x-ray machines in them. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they were named Little Curies. Aww. Which is really cute. <laughs> it is oh. cute, but also x-rays are really dangerous. You gotta wear lead. Yeah. And they weren't. They weren't doing that at all. Yeah. Anyway, after the war, she used her celebrity status Hold on to- one second. Okay. <laughs> Let me just... X-rays are really dangerous, but so is a bullet, because it was war. <laughs> so I, I take back my <laughs> Look, observation. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. <laughs> so, so that's all. I decided to take retract my Fair. statement. Fair. All right. After the war, she used her celebrity status to advance her research. In 1921, President Harding of the United States... On behalf of the women of America, presented her with one gram of radium in recognition of her service to science. Doesn't she already have... She found it. She found it. I'm sure she (laughs) she actually... Look, I'm going to talk about this next week again. But she used to carry around a little vial of it in her Mm -hmm. pocket. As like, I don't know. Party trick. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. So, anyway... She did carry one. Yeah, but if she, she had have. one, why did he give her one? Be- it was... It was... Listen, it, I just don't, like... <laughs> we know. We know. <laughs> Throughout her life, Marie sat on many committees at, you know, prestigious things. <laughs> uh, she was a member of the League of Nations. Oh. And she helped to open the Warsaw Radium Institute. She was known to carry test tubes of radio- radium around in her pocket of her lab coat. I just said that. Her many <laughs> years working with radioactive materials took a toll on her health, much like her shitty diet did, but mm-hmm. worse. Yeah. <laughs> Marie Curie died on July 4th, 1934, of a plastic anemia, believed to be caused by prolonged exposure to her beloved element. Yeah. 
1995, Marie and Pierre's remains were interred in the Pantheon oh. in Paris. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other one. Uh, which is the <laughs> final the, the final resting place of France's greatest minds. Are you thinking of the one in Rome? In Greece. Greece? Rome. That's, Rome. That's the Parthenon. Ooh, I was right. I'm on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Marie became the first and one of only five women to be laid to rest in the Pantheon. Uh, In 2017, the Pantheon hosted an exhibition to honor the 150th birthday of Marie Curie. Hmm. This is is Danny's text to me Mm -hmm. that she sent me the other day when we were talking about Marie Curie. Mm -hmm. She's also a Scorpio. Okay. Thumbs up emoji. And she's the first woman <laughs> mm-hmm. to win a Nobel Prize. Yes. The Impressive. The only woman to win two Nobel Prizes. Impressive again. And she's the first person, man or woman, to receive a Nobel Prize in two different fields. Amazing. Scientific fields. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. She's so smart, it makes my brain hurt. I don't understand why everybody didn't like her. Also, uh, yeah, but her, oh man, which daughter? I think it's Irene. Irene and her husband went on to both win Nobel Prizes as well. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was that, a hard-ass worker. Yeah, she was. <laughs> she spent. She spent her adult life... Raising children, mm-hmm. working, and teaching, right? Mm-hmm. But also writing fucking theses. Out the yin-yang. Out the yin-yang. <laughs> <laughs> and discovering elements and Doing... making shit glow. It's just crazy. She's, it's absolutely fascinating. And I'm yeah. really excited to do the Radium Girls next week. Mm-hmm. I was like, look can I do the Radium Girls after I do Marie Curie? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that so fits perfect perfectly. Tie-in. Yeah. Because you got a little, this part, that would be part two. Exactly. Of, your, of the Radium tale. Yep. Just dropping some radiation on you. <laughs> right before Christmas. Please. Merry Christmas, everyone. Please don't. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> all right. Okay. That's all we got. Mm-hmm. What do we have? What do we got to tell everybody? Comment, nope, review, chilada, enchilada. Wow. Did I pronounce enchilada? Oh my god. That wasn't a sentence, that was three. Comment, like, chilada. (laughs) Girl, that's what you get at Taco Bell. It's enchilada. (laughs) Try again. God. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. When you are reviewing, please put the word enchilada, and then you'll be entered into a raffle. Yeah. Don't don't have enchilada be the only word. Yeah. In your review, please like, give say us a something g- like nice and like fun about us. Mm-hmm. But then also maybe at the bottom you could put like hashtag enchilada would be acceptable. Yeah. yeah. Fit it in there somewhere. Yeah. We know and you it can inter- do it. It enters you into a raffle to then win a handcrafted something of your choice from Cassie. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sculpt and make a make a doodad for somebody. Mm-hmm. Maybe a magnet. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe an a ornament. Cr- mm-hmm. Something exciting. Maybe a statue. Oh, small statue. Mm-hmm. A not, bust. I'm not making a David. Do the thinker, but only the hand. But only <laughs> which hand? He's got two to choose from. <laughs> not the important one. To the other one. <laughs> the one that's just fucking yeah. dingle dangle in there. Yeah. Okay. If you want that, please rate, <laughs> review, and subscribe. <laughs> And then you can uh, go and follow us on all of our social medias. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at That Broad's Got Moxie. And we tweet at Broad's Got Moxie. And if you have any comments that you want us to take into account, like, hey, Kiana, you <laughs> pronounced that again wrong, <laughs> please reach out to our email at thatbroadscottmoxie at gmail.com. That's going to be a real full inbox. I know. This is going to just be like, you said chilada, not enchilada. You said this wrong. You said buffalo. You said jube instead of job. <sighs> That'll be a fun... <laughs> Danny, when you're editing this episode, I'm going to need you to keep a tally every time Kenna <laughs> says something word. wrong. Oh, my God. It's going to be a big tally. It'll be almost as many times as I say, um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. That's all we got. Thank for listening. Okay. Goodbye. Okay, bye. bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick it to the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.